This is Mike. And this is Drew. Welcome to the Mike and Drew at Mountain View podcast. It is October 19th, 2022, and uh, we're wondering why everyone is obsessed with politics. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with politics myself. I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh, full disclosure, in my grandpa's pickup truck and loved it. <laughs> it took me a while. I didn't like politics in high school at all. Because okay. I, I really, um, I was a big math guy, and so I really liked the idea that there was a correct answer and a not correct answer. And so politics mm. was really um, scary to me because it was like, well, clearly there's not a right answer. Right. And I grew up where I was a part of different um, circles of people who were activists over different issues. Mm. And they took it very seriously on both sides. And like you say, on one hand, you can say there's a right and a wrong, but on the other hand, you're asking, how does that apply? And that's where it all falls to pieces. Right. Like I can say that I value the lives of immigrants, but I can also say that, well, I don't know if I just want them coming over willy-nilly. Yes, and I can say uh, as a father with five children that I value the life of all children at every stage from con- from conception on and simultaneously wonder if the abortion legislation is correctly handling right. that issue. Yeah, It's not what it looks like on television. No. I, I, yeah, I don't care if it's Fox or CNN. It doesn't matter. They're both. Yeah, it's tough. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over the past few years, both theologically and like just culturally in myself, um, think for yourself, like do your own research and just do the work and learn about what's happening for yourself. Don't listen to, well, you're welcome to listen to whatever you want, but don't like take that to heart, figure it out for yourself. And then, then you've, come to a, a political commentator and say, okay, how do I feel about what they have to say compared to what I've already done myself? Yes, and it would be—it is hard work. It would be much easier, uh, for example, for me to return to the season of life when uh, you know, I was working construction, I was working on ranches, I worked for the city, and I would listen to these news talk radio programs, and I was very confident— that I had a good grasp on what was going on yeah. because there, there were facts shared. But when I actually got involved and I ran for some you know smaller political offices like precinct committee chair member in Sedgwick County for my district and actually got to sit in meetings next to uh, senators and a governor and listen and be there where the wheels were turning, I realized there is always going to be a bias. It doesn't. It just doesn't matter. So what matters is, like you just said, you do the hard work, and it is uncomfortable, and it is annoying not to just have the luxury of being. Um, I'm just going to say lazy enough to fully rely on one source for all your news, and, and I'm just going to say it because I was there. I was there. I was there, and I paid the consequences several times of having my reality checked and sourced and realized I don't have the whole story. And I I would tell you, nobody does. It is up to us as individuals to listen to both sides and discern for ourselves. Yeah. Um, One of the most great friend of mine um, is on the opposite side as I am. And we oftentimes will, you know, get coffee or get lunch and we'll just talk about some of those issues because we're both very aware, but we're also very open. 
and we're able to have those conversations without like getting really mad. And there's been times where I've been really mad at him and I've had to kind of step away and calm down a little bit and then come back to him and say, well, you know, like I still love you, your brother in Christ. And I, we can have these conversations because both of us, neither of us have the, the full picture. And so we can just do our best and we're continuing to have those conversations. And they're really fun actually. They, they are. And 10 years ago, I would be mad that this podcast that I'm listening to did not already pick a side by this point. Yeah, we're three episodes deep, and it's like, <laughs> we've we've mentioned a few things here and there, but it's like, I, I could admit, like, I, I lean a little bit to the right, but I'm actually more central than than most people I know, I'd say. Yeah, and, and I would say I've got more of a constitutionalist base, mm-hmm. and I have more of a libertarian base, and that I, I believe in limited federal power, and yet I would say most of my conversations in the last several years would be considered more left-leaning, and yet it's a conversation. It's ongoing. I don't right. believe you can just commit to one party line and still—or or one party platform, if you will—and still faithfully please Jesus Christ because he, he does not stand in solidarity with one party over the other. And many of the issues that either party are guilty of using uh, as a, a form of pandering to their constituency— doesn't actually show up in their personal lives or their voting record. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about how, like, the both parties are totally different than they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago yes. or 50 years ago, you yes. know? Um, and we see that in that, like, that Tulsi Gabbard just announced she's leaving the Democratic Party. Right. And that's a big deal because, like, it means that there are either, it means that she's changing or that the Democratic Party is changing. Sure. And I think part of the reason you and I had talked about this podcast coming up uh, at the top of the priority list, because we've got a what, how many how many uh, possible podcast subjects did you put up there? Oh, I think there's like 30 up there there's now. There's 30 up there. And, and we even debated, should we do this one right now uh, before we have built a good amount of listeners yet? And this is a little dangerous, but... Uh, it's October 19th, so we've got elections coming up. In like, what, 20 days? 20 days, and so, or even less, actually, a little, little less than that. I don't and remember. We, um, we're at a place where what we're concerned about as ministers is not about who gets elected, because we know Christ is king. That's okay? right. Uh, we, we do care about um, voting informed, like we've already said. You've already pointed that out. We believe in doing the hard work of research on all political issues and things that are coming up for vote that will affect our day-to-day life. But what we believe in even more is that we are called to unity in the Church around Jesus Christ, not to agree on everything politically, but to keep Christ the main focus and let these things fall by the wayside. And uh, I've got in an article written by Katie Taylor of World Vision Ministries on August 22nd of this year, she shares this prayer— and I just wanted to share it for a second. This, this kind of reflects my heart on the topic. God, forgive us for the times we failed to treat each other as your creation. Forgive us for celebrating unloving behavior in our candidates and our leaders. Call our leaders and political candidates to a new level of respect and civility. Remind them that you're sovereign and that the wisest choice we can make is to serve you and serve others. May there be a new movement of collaboration and respect in our nation's capital and throughout the country. And finally, she says, give your people the strength to lead by example with radical, world-changing love. 
And that's love as Christ defines it. We're not just talking about tolerance here. This is a sacrificial love that puts others first and leads them to the Lord. So this isn't a dig at one party or another. Both parties, uh, Republican and Democrat, both, people I know and love and respect who support both parties, have both been guilty of digging at each other and almost objectifying each other. Because you got to call out evil when you see it. But you yeah. also have to avoid objectifying the actual person. Yeah. Um, on both sides, totally. Um, I forget what I was going to say. I had a response to that, but that's okay. <laughs> well, it's you know it's tricky because there are things you want to say and you could affiliate with different issues. And you know we, we want to be forthcoming about that. But at the same time, that's not our top priority. Right. It's not Jesus' top priority. In his day, granted, he didn't serve in a democratic republic. You know, he, he served under this empire. And so there really wasn't a voice of the people to be had when you look at the political situation he was in. But there were options for rebellion against the government, and, and he squashed that. You know, he said, render mm-hmm. unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He said, if, this, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight. Yeah, I mean, even his disciples were radically different from each other. Um, we have, you know, tax collectors and zealots in the same room That's for right. three years, walking around following Jesus. That's right, patriots and IRS agents, yeah, side by side. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, but and they loved yet, each other. They were, you know, this brotherhood. Yeah, and yet, even though he called Matthew away from being a tax collector uh, slash Levi, and he called uh, Simon away from being a zealot, um, he did not at any time rebuke them for either of those previous roles. Right. And they weren't necessarily bad things, although sometimes the tax collectors would, uh, you know, take a little off the top. They would, and sometimes the zealots would overreact and kill the wrong people. <laughs> and they'd stab people. They'd get, they'd get the wrong guy. So uh, both ways, both ends of the the um, one following all of the laws of the, uh, you know, the cultural laws of the mm-hmm. land, and the other one standing up for the um, more tried and true past ways. And Jesus didn't rebuke either of them, but he did expect them to put all that stuff aside mm-hmm. and, and just follow him. Kind of open up their mind to like, Hey, there's more than these things. You That's know? right. It's more and than this. I've yes. I've fallen into the trap of, oh gosh, it feels like the world's ending right now. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter, because Jesus is king. Jesus is king, and I, and you're not alone in that. You know, this idea that what is next, if there is a call back to morality across this nation, a true standard of godly morality, will it take infighting and, and civil uh, civil wars? Will it uh, be through legislation? Will it be through voting in the right person? And every time I run those trails through history, I find out, like you just said, it's about Christ being the king. And, and in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2, Paul saw this coming, right? The Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write to even the church of the early churches, and he's telling Timothy, who's establishing churches, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and here's the key part for us today, and all who are in high positions, or some translations say authority, that we may lead, and here's the point, a peaceful and quiet life, godly, and dignified in every way. Yeah. What would you say the political climate of the past four to six years and even this fall have been dignified and godly? <laughs> no. 
I think um, that's the concern. Yeah. It's tough cuz like there are really important issues that are that are being tossed around and it's you know, I I do have strong opinions on them, but it's like it, that's not to say that the people who disagree with me are the worst people ever, you know. Right. And they are still human beings and they're made in the image of God and it's we don't need to demonize or otherize. Um, we have to be able to have those conversations and have them thoughtfully and lovingly. Um, and I think that's where the church needs to step up and say, hey, we're willing to have those conversations and be careful about them and be loving about them. And, you know, it, the church, Jesus has always gone to the people who are um, on the outside Yes. And in our culture here in East Tennessee, we are a little more right-leaning. And I think it's okay to step to the outside and find some people who are on the left and have conversations. It it is okay. And, uh, you know, I understand that some who would classify themselves as more left-leaning get frustrated with what they think is uh, a more uh, crass form of... Uh, politics on the right side, and yet I would say sometimes that's what it takes to get the job done. Yeah, and then those on the right leaning side are frustrated with the left because they think that the left side is uh, just merging in with the ways of the world. And I'm talking about in the church here, mm-hmm. and and yet I would also say uh, what you might call merging in with the ways of the world might actually be acceptable behavior in God's kingdom. You're just not comfortable with it. And in both sides, we're asking the question, you know, what do we do with this passion about politics? And we'd read in the Proverbs, uh, I think both political sides, I've heard use this verse, right? I've talked to believers, like you've said, who are left-leaning and right-leaning, and some of them extreme right and some of them extreme left. And I found them both use this verse, Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. The right's going to use this for the issue of abortion. The left's going to use this for the issue of social justice. Mm-hmm. And I hate to even uh, class make that dichotomy and uh, categorize those two, but I'm just sharing my personal experience. I've heard that exact passage used what I would say is correctly in both cases yeah. to justify the causes they're aligning with. And and then before anybody gets all up in arms or shuts the podcast off here, <laughs> you've got to understand that the baggage you equate with the left or the baggage you equate with the right may or may not be true. And you, right. you may be hearing it through one source, and you've not perhaps done the work yourself to talk to these people and say, when you're supporting this cause, does that mean you believe this? And they say, no, I actually believe this, and this cause gets the job done. And both sides can be equally accused of turning a blind eye to some issues so that they answer other issues. Yeah, the I was going to say the extreme on either side that you see on TV is not necessarily like your average Joe, you know? Yes. I may be a little bit more right-leaning. However, like, I recognize some of the views of the left have value and I see where they're coming from at the very least, you know? Yes, I I was not brought up to vote along a party line. I was brought up in a Christian environment uh, where the directive was, who would Jesus select in that voting booth? 
<laughs> that was the challenge. And so it was, you're going to look at the person. Are they credible? Are they of integrity? And yes, as believers, we have every right to ask, uh, do they follow the will of God? Do yeah. they seek? I have every right to ask that. Am I voting in a pastor? No. But am I voting in somebody, me, as a, as a representative of Christ? Am I going to try and represent Christ in the booth? Yes. And sometimes that's looked more like a Democrat than a Republican, and other times it's been a, a Republican votes all the way across. It, it just depends. And uh, I've, I've got something here to share in a minute uh, that continues to demonstrate the divided, not just the divided nature, but the divided passion over politics as we go into another uh, voting season here. I, I feel like you've got your wheels turning over there, Drew. No, I'm just listening right now. I'm, I find what you have to say very interesting. Well, then let's let's stop uh, with what I have to say. Let's talk about David Roach uh, in an article in Christianity Today from November 1st, 2021, so a year, just under a year over uh, after the election, all right? Okay. And he observed the results of this poll that was conducted uh, among among believers, all right? And in this survey, uh, here's what he says. Around half of Americans believe evangelical leaders' support of Trump hurt the church's credibility. That's a big number, half, okay? Yeah, that is a big number. One in four say evangelical support for Trump reduced their desire to participate in religion. Now, I'm going to get to the other side of the coin here in a second, but we've got to hear this because this is reality. And among evangelicals, this one's huge, but it's not the huge percentage, 33% say their leader's support of Trump made personal witness to friends and family more difficult. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, Trump did this weird thing, and I don't think it was just Trump. I think it was—I think it's bigger than Trump. But he did this thing that made everyone who was for him, like— really for him you know right and it was kind of strange because i'd not really seen that of course i grew up my my first election was 2020 and so that's this is all fairly new to me but i didn't i didn't see that growing up and suddenly you know 2020 rolls around it's like this is kind of strange like what's going on i guess 2016 was trump it is strange because my grandparents and parents would say they came from a time where there were clear differences between the two parties, but they still had mutual respect for each other. Right, and that the respect is what's gone out the, the window. The respect has gone out. The, so you could be a Republican and a Democrat, still be respectful and cordial and disagree, maybe some biting, sarcastic remarks, but nobody's really as hateful as we're seeing right now. Right. I, I remember that's, the, that's the 2020 um, debates. Did you watch those? Oh, of course. See, now, we're a little different in that, in that I grew up going door-to-door since I was eight years old for different elections, handing out pamphlets for local, state, and national elections. I followed Bob Dole because he was a Kansas guy. Mm. So we're, we're going way back to when I was a kid, and so I have, I have lived and breathed in the world of politics, and I had ambitions to be in uh, the— Grand National Party when I grew up and hold some <laughs> positions and, you know, go to college and, and do those things, uh, possibly more on the legal side. But the landscape shifted so radically that I didn't feel like there was a mutual enough respect to have an intelligent debate across party lines. It just looked like it was breaking down into war zones. Yeah, they were just screaming at each other in 2020. Like, it was weird. Yes, and in my mind, I'm even going back to 2008. See, I don't remember. I was eight in 2008. You were in 2008, right. So I, didn't, I had no idea. Yeah, so that was really one of the first elections, uh, you know, when 
uh, I could uh, vote sure. and really dig in there. And uh, when I'm supporting a candidate, it's because I'm going to vote for them. But here's the other side of the coin, too, for this for the Trump discussion, because it is one that still looms in every conversation I have almost. I, yeah. You know, and, and we've got another cycle coming up. Here's the other part of that study from uh, David Roach of Christianity Today last year, about this time last year, November 1st. He said, the majority of evangelicals, 57%, believe their support of Trump in 2020, and here's the quote, showed moral courage to try and achieve policies and actions consistent with evangelical Christian values, and more than a third of Americans overall agreed. And that's that part you're talking about where uh, there was not just a support of the candidate in general that this was the best choice. There was also, this is the only choice. Yeah, there because it, it's like if we didn't, if this didn't happen, it's the end of the world, it's over, you know? Right. And I heard, I personally, when I, when I was in Beaumont, Texas, during some of the follow-up to this, uh, serving down there, and there was a large movement of people who said that the Bible verse, there were a dozen people who told me this uh, separately on their own from different churches. They said, hey, you know the Bible verse that says when the last trump shall sound? That was a prophecy for this candidate. And that's oh, where I go, no. that's the passion, right? <laughs> that's the passion. And I go, I can respect those who voted their conscience, did the research, and arrived to different conclusions than me. What I've struggled to see is the remnants of this false spiritualization of a political election, and I'm concerned that is going to shut the doors of a thousand more churches in the next year. It's going to harden the hearts of people who might have been open to Christ, but they're closed to the Republican Party, and then when they see us as believers juxtapose the two, and say they're inseparable, then they logically and wisely, I would say, say no thank you, because that's almost a type of idolatry at that point. Yeah, it's it's really something, I don't know, and that's that's something, like, I think about that all the time, it's like, how do you function putting a political party or a a political candidate that high up? Because at the end of the day, they're a human being, and they're going to disappoint you. They are, and even Paul in the early church said, "I don't want any. I didn't baptize any of you because I don't want any of you saying I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter. I want yeah. you to say I'm of Christ." So even in a church setting, Paul, I think, understood the the danger of what we would call the cult of personality, focusing yeah. on one person. And I know we talked about Trump here, but uh, this this is applying to both candidates right now. You know, if we're talking about Joe Biden as well. There, any presidential election I've witnessed in the last couple cycles, there is almost this celebrity power attached to either candidate, and it no longer becomes about the actual true person. It becomes about this persona about them, and it's inconsistent with the facts of the person. And my challenge is just simply, please vote informed and vote with and vote with conviction, but do not spiritualize that situation. Keep that for what it is that we're, like you just said, we're voting for fallible people. Yeah, we shouldn't hold them up to that standard. But also, um, you know, we're told in Luke six twenty seven through twenty eight, um, Jesus said, "Love your enemies. Do go do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you." And so, even if you see the other side as an enemy, if you are going to spiritualize it that way, then you 
have to be praying for them, not even that they have a change of heart. That's kind of passive-aggressive. Yeah. What, what you're praying is that the Lord blesses them and, and draws them closer to his side in a good way. And the true enemy here is Satan. And I think Satan has been able to use politics to drive us all apart. You know, it's it's weird that we have left-leaning churches and right-leaning churches. We need to have just churches who can have conversations. Yes, and, and like I, I could, I've got a list of verses here, and I'm not going to read them. Uh, I've got more verses that I have heard personally, and and anyone listening, Drew, you might hear these, have heard these yourselves. Uh, I've got a list of ten verses that I have heard used to defend left and right-leaning positions. They're applied differently, and I would say they're applied accurately, and they can be applied both ways. Yeah. And like you say, we just we need to have the conversation with, the, with two abilities. One, to stand firm in what we believe, mm-hmm. and two, to be accountable and let iron sharpen iron. And maybe we hear something and we go, you know, I haven't heard the whole story. That's usually part of the problem. Yeah. You may learn something like, and it's, it's hard. It's hard to have those conversations and be open enough to say, wait a minute, maybe the, where I'm coming from isn't all correct. Right. And and maybe it still is 90% correct when you're said and done. Sure. You, yeah. You still say, nope, I, even after all this, you know, here's my beliefs. But the point is that passion side of it too, uh, have a passion for Christ. Let that shine brighter. Yeah. Let the passion for Christ shine brighter than any one political issue either party has made to get your vote. Yep. Because there, I, you know, I don't want to get all conspiracy theorists, but it's not hard to imagine a world where you have a, a government power like ours in America that might just want to get the people divided enough they're all dependent on that government system. Read 1984. <laughs> right, right, I, right. We got you know. I don't want to launch too far off into that, but it's not hard for anyone listening to imagine that a powerful entity would want us to become more dependent on them. Yeah. And the way they're going to do that is to divide and conquer within the churches. When in the churches, we can all go to the same building and share the same fellowship and enjoy each other's uh, visiting and maybe rib each other about our differences but not spiritualize and overemphasize things that really uh, don't matter in eternity. Yeah. And I know there are some issues that will, and again, if we're talking about sensitive topics like um, abortion or um, true, honest racism that we do see and experience and inequality and some of these things that I know do exist to this day, uh, those conversations can be had with kindness and with action that matters instead of just arguments, and I think we'd be surprised at um, what we actually get done to turn this world to Christ. Yeah, I would say be able to listen more than you speak, because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Just listen. That's why, like, it's important that we didn't, like, bring up any, like, of those hard topics in this episode, because it's more about listening to other people and thinking about those things carefully. Yeah, I'm not going to be qualified to talk about most of these complex nope. issues. I will give my belief on it based on what I know. Mm-hmm. But if we're actually if if we're having a conversation, there's a lot of things I'm not qualified to uh, have a conversation on because that requires me listening and answering specific questions and and uh, vice versa. So um, a lot of this is I I do the hard work, and I would encourage anybody listening to do the hard work. Drew and I preparing for this podcast, we did the hard work, didn't we? Yeah, I I was nervous. I still am nervous. <laughs> but, 
Me too. I always will be because I don't want to lose fellowship with brothers or sisters in Christ over these issues, but I also can't just stand by and watch movements from both sides just swallow each other up and fire at each other when it really doesn't need to happen. We're on the same team. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it, unless you have more. That's about it. No, the, yeah. the one verse I was thinking of earlier that uh, I'd close with is Revelation 12, 9, and this is the real enemy here, right? It's not the other political party. It's not the other people. It's not the other leading candidate that has their face plastered all over your, your phone and your television. Uh, it is uh, the great dragon, right? Mm. I'm not talking about the tail of the dragon just down the road here from Six Mile and Christie <laughs> Hill Road from Mountain View here, uh, 129, where it says, the great dragon, Revelation uh, 12, 9, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. That's the ultimate victory. Yeah. It's not going to be an election. Nope. The ultimate victory is when, and I believe it's future, I believe it's eschatological, that when Satan is defeated, that is when all evil will be done away with. In the meantime, we fight him. In the meantime, we wrestle against these spiritual forces that Paul warned us about. We don't find ultimate satisfaction in any of these elections. And, and I think that will help moderate uh, our approach to each other and realizing none of us are the enemy. We're just trying to understand what Jesus expects out of us. Yeah, we're world. all just doing our best, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been Mike. And Drew. Oh, and we're Mike and Drew at Mountain View. <laughs> That's right. Uh, did we have a tagline to this? No, but I want to say we're going to open up an email account that you can email questions. Yes. and Because we want to okay. make this more of a discussion. Cause we do. Yes. I don't know what we're doing. No, we're just, uh, you just say, hey, are we ready? And I go, let me do a little more research and a little more prayer. And then we come down here and uh, it's very comfortable. And I don't want to go back up to my office. So <laughs> anyway. All right. We'll see you next week. Eat your vegetables.